0: We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: To Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. Tiana Speeder, your host, here with you once again, alongside my co host Andrew Mast and some amazing people from around the industry today as well, to dive into all things music this week. We'll be chatting new releases, pop culture moments in the musical universe. We'll take a look back at this week in musical history. Plus, I'm also joined by a special guest today to chat about the reported global vinyl shortage with director of Zenith Records, Paul Rigby, stopping by as well. Want some tunes with that? Each week, we also add the songs and artists discussed in each Press Play episode, plus any new ones we might have missed, into our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Check out our show notes or head directly to euphony.com.au to find and follow our playlist. Love music? Press play. Let's get into it and take a look first up at some new albums and EPs unleashing this week. As we edge closer to the end of 2021, the year is still continuing to close out strong with yet another sturdy few days of full length and EPs on offer. To start with, the brand new album, Heavy Load Blues from Government Mule, aka the side project for the Elman Brothers, Warren Hayes and Alan Woody, is out this week. Now, with a name like Heavy Load Blues, it's unsurprisingly chocked full of blues, and it's also notably the group's first ever official blues album, with Haynes saying it has been on his list of things to do for years. It's Government Mule as you've never heard them before, but on recording anyway, keen Mule fans will know they've previously thrown in some traditional blues in their live shows in the past. Meanwhile, Aussie duo Flight Facilities are set to take flight and release their second studio album forever this week. It's the pair's first new album in seven years, and for this outing, some of the demos have been on file since 2013, but what we're getting on this new album is some significant showings of experimentation, but without losing their established sound. And an extra release turning ready to roll this week is from none other than Ray Ronaldo's very aptly titled new album, In Virus Times. Dropping via mute records, the Sonic Youth frontman wrote the entire album during the pandemic and get set for some acoustic and instrumental delights chocked full of generous drones, wandering melodics, and there's some limited etched vinyl up for grabs as well. Another prolific week of releases, Joining me now to jump in a bit deeper is my co host and Euphonie's head of music, Andrew Mast. Masty, what better time to bring in my co host? Welcome to Press Play.
2: It's always a pleasure to be back here with you.
1: Now, Masty, before we do j- jump into some more reviews, I have some very good news from going back to our first episode of Press Play. We've seen our feature album, Mastodon's Hushed and Grim. It's actually come in on the Aria album charts at number 16. Oh,
2: the, the one that I said, my. Might land at number one.
1: (laughs) 16 is nothing to sneeze at, Nasty.
2: No, I guess actually that's about their third highest chart position here. I did notice it did better in uh, Europe. Uh, It was top 10 in Denmark, Germany and Switzerland. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes elsewhere. So, yeah,
1: I think we made a good call there, Diana. Yeah, me too. And it gave us our episode title, so what's not to like? (laughs) Exactly. Quickly on that too, we did also see the War on Drugs. They also did quite well. They actually came in at number twenty-one.
2: Yeah, and that's another one. That's uh, that's probably the quite well done for them. I think they've only had three chart albums here in Australia. Uh, this is another one that went top ten uh, in a few European countries as well. So it was a much busier uh, music buying week in Europe than it was in Australia by the looks of it. <laughs>
1: when the sun gets, you know, it gets sets early and earlier over there, they're just going to go buy albums. Maybe that's what's going on. But as well, one other one from that week was also Tori Amos. We saw her beautiful new album debut at number 46 on the album chart. Yeah,
2: I was thinking, wow, that was a really good result for her. And then I looked back at her past. Do you know, she had 10 top 30 albums in a row in Australia and her biggest album was way back in 94 when Under the Pink peaked at number five. So, um, yeah, it's weird to, I, I forget how massive she used to be, but um, given how quiet she's been, that's actually a good result. So I think we picked some winners there. What what are we going to talk about this week?
1: Well, Masty, I'm going to kick us off. I've got a couple going, but I think there might be one release that I think you should get out of the way first. I believe there's a few, but this one in particular might be an interesting one.
2: Are we talking Kylie
1: Minogue? I think we're talking Kylie Minogue, Marstie
2: okay this is actually a quick one because it's just a revisit to the disco album this one's called the guest edition basically this re-delivers Kylie's very fun disco set from last year which was her 15th studio album with four new collabs and a ton of remixes on this one Uh, she's selected her collaboration partners with perfection we've already heard I was going to say seen the match made in heaven a second to midnight with years and years and it's been a great year for him after his star turn in It's a Sin, which is one of the biggest hit shows of the year. I'm after midnight. Show me the
3: way to to...
2: And then Kylie followed that up with Jessie Ware on the song Kiss of Wife and she delivered a disco album in 2020 as well. So oh, what a great pairing that was. But now on this album, we will get um, Can't Stop Writing Songs About You with Disco Royalty, Gloria Gaynor, and it truly is a slinky funk outing. And then there's the even housier Real Groove, which is reworked with Dua Lipa, who is the Heritage um, collab go-to now that she's hit number one with Elton John and Pennell. So we'll probably see her popping up more and more with uh, older artists um, trying to uh, hit, uh, hit a younger uh, demographic there. And amongst the remixes as well, you'll find it more big names, including Basement Jacks, who bring their trademark party house vibes to say something. More cowbell, they bring it.
1: Oh, nasty. You uh, the fact you put a more cowbell reference in, like this just... Put this album up to 11 for me. Like, come on, that's perfect. And who doesn't love a Kylie duet? I'm always here for that. And, you know, sometimes you just need a little bit of disco and a bit of fun in your life. So bring it on. The Queen's back. Kylie's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, and if you're a Kylie completist, you've got to get your hands on it.
1: Well, Marcy, I'm going to take us over to the UK for a moment here to chat about the new album from Damon Albarn. Of course, Damon Albarn being particularly notable as the frontman for Rocker's Blur and also co-founder of Gorillaz. But this week, it's all about his new solo album. It's his first solo album and solo outing since 2014. And the new one's titled The Nearer the Fountain, More Pure the Stream Flows. Not a short title by any means, but dang, an utterly divine journey lies in wait from the second the title track kicks off the album.
4: The nearer the fountain, more pure the stream.
1: Now, this one's releasing on Allbound's new label home, Transgressive, and it really does embrace its title. And the title isn't just a meandering throwaway. It's actually lifted from the poem Love and Memory by English poet John Clare. And The Nearer the Fountain and More Pure the Stream Flows was produced during during lockdown and it boasts orchestral flourishes to really illustrate the magic and chaos of real nature and anyone who knows alburn's enduring childhood adoration for nature and birds this will not come as a surprise and from what i've read the fans are so hyped online like there is just so much hype surrounding all the really die-hard fans but it's hard not to be when you see damon alburn's alburn's name Masty. i
2: was gonna say i really like the single uh, polaris off this i've gone back to it a few times And I'm one of those people, I own every Blur album. Seeing Gorillaz was one of the greatest ever live experiences of my life. But I've got to say, I prefer Blur member Graham Coxon's solo work. This is a good album. Will I return to it? I don't know. I think I only ever listened to his last solo album, Everyday Robots, once. But I've got to admit... He churns out so many side projects. He would have to be one of the busiest people. When you look back at, at what he's done over the years, um, he'll probably have two more records out uh, by this time next year. Uh, oh, God, it, it we'll have to, really have to do listen. a
1: special episode about him.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it's a really good listen. And like I said, I've really enjoyed uh, the Polaris single.
1: Yay. And now what have you got next for us, Masty?
2: Well... We're finally getting, after a, a few pushbacks, we're getting Bonoffi's Tear Tracks album is landing. Now, in my mind, Bonoffi is already Australia's leading hyper pop artist. This uh, Melbourne singer has impressive streaming numbers, five tracks well into the millions of streams on Spotify. This is album number two. It's been preceded by three singles Tapioca Cheeks, Idiot, and Never Get to Fuck Anyone. I'll never get to fuck anyone. album in full make no mistake this is a breakup album as the accompanying material points out it isn't the tonic for a broken heart it is the companion and despite the bright sharp synths and crisp beats the lyrics are often dark highlight track pill features lyrics wake up take a pill go to sleep take a pill while power ballad enough is immaculately structured with layers of vocals over stark beats but the melancholy lyrics come to the fore The LP ends on a hopeful note with tears. It's the post breakup breakthrough moment. It's the album's starkest moment, mostly voice and piano, but building to an epic bridge with Bonoffi sounding more determined and hopeful than anywhere else on hear tracks. It's a a great, great pop album. One of the year's
1: best. 100%. I feel like it's interesting too. Like this one's come like just under two years since her debut and second album territory can always be a little bit tricky for people. And I think there's been so much hype with it, but I read her actually in an interview. She said, I think she said it in a few interviews, but basically that she's never been trying to push for commercial success and she's never done what has been advised of her. She's just done it and it's right. And I feel like this is just yet another example of someone doing it. Doing it her way, and it just happens to be amazing. So, hats off, Bonoffi, and something completely different. <laughs> yes, I have. I I could not not cover this one. I've got a big album I'm to talk about. I know you will love this one too. So that makes me happy. Bristol Legends Idols are back and as with Banoffee too, it hasn't been too long since they released their previous album, but there's a little bit closer. Last September, they released Ultra Mono, but I would take a new Idols album every chance I could get. So I'm not sad that it's been so short in, the, in terms of releases, but they're returning with Gusto this week with their fourth studio album, Crawler. And as you know, Masti, I was recently drooling over idols with Frank Carter on The Green Room. He Indeed. actually grabbed Indeed. frontman Joe as a guest on the Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes new album, Sticky. And Carter described him best. He just said the ethos, particularly with regards to Joe, he's like 50 people in one. <laughs> and that energy carries over into Crawler. But not the way you'd think. Like, The intro track is moody and Joe Talbot's vocals draw with this like sombre smokiness.
2: Isn't it amazing you expect it to be right in your face from the word go and it sneaks up on you. (laughs) (laughs) It really, they catch you out and next thing you know, you're being overwhelmed by it.
1: That's it. They lure you in and then it's just boom. But then from there it's just this sharp and utterly scintillating journey and I think it's really heavily underpinned by Talbot dealing with brushes with death, addiction and proverbial forks in the road. Look, this, it's an album that showcases the uglier sides of life but presented in such a compelling manner, like from we've got stuff like the drum-forward mayhem of their kind of more recent single, Car Crash, to the swooning and more soulful tune, The Beachland Ballroom. I was on my knees
3: for days
1: I actually got proper chills, you know, throughout this album. It's so personal. It's so compelling. And the quote of the day about the album goes to Idol's guitarist Mark, who was set of Joe Talbot's performance on some tracks on Crawler. I didn't know Joe could sing like that. So an absolute triumph and a highlight. And he also surprised his bandmates.
2: What I liked about it too was um, I, I... I'd heard a lot of old post-punk in there. I could hear the birthday party in The Wheel. I could hear Bauhaus in When the Lights Come On. I could hear the fall in King Snake. I love that they've drawn all that in. It, it, And like I said earlier, it's just an overwhelming album. And how about that track Whiz that just pummels you, which is supposedly text messages from, from his drug dealer. I can't quite make out what they're saying. And it's like, I'm sure he says, I'm sure he says, rocket fuel in there somewhere so what was he selling him I don't know but um it's it's so good it's so intense and and it is and it's it's almost so good you could
1: cry It
2: it, it is a great album
1: yep and I'm not a crier so you've you've put you've nailed it <laughs> <laughs> well Marcy now it's time for our feature album. we're both looking at and it's another one I feel like I'm gonna have to let you take the lead for this to intro this album release what is that what is our feature album this week Marcy
2: well, it has to be Courtney Barnett's latest album, Things Take Time, Take Time. Now, I remember when I first heard Courtney Barnett's History of Razor way back in 2013, I played it non-stop for months at home, at work, in the car, just over and over. I couldn't believe that such a brilliant song existed. I loved it so much that I even got anxious for her that she would never be able to. Like, where do you go from here? Is she... Is she shooting herself in the foot writing a masterpiece so early in her career? Well, since then, as we know, she has surpassed that. There's been two top ten albums. She's got such a big global following. We kind of take it for granted. She's appearing on Ellen next week to, um, you know, market the, the new album. So here we are with album number three. And like all previous albums, it has a brilliant title. We had there was Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. Followed by and tell me how you really feel. And now, of course, things take time, take time. Really, Got to really think about that one. I'm still not sure I've figured it out. We find, <laughs> find Barnett stripping her sound back from her previous album. Uh, the rocking out of that album has kind of taken a back seat. And here we, we have minimalist arrangements, gentler songs. You know, you hear simple drum machine patterns in songs like Turning Green. And I think she told um, journalist Shad Souza that this album sees her letting her guard down and celebrating love. And you do feel this lighter side. There's some, there's some really just, you know, almost pretty songs on it. A highlight for me, though, is the single Before You Gotta Go, I've been playing that one constantly. I hear a bit of the Velvet Underground influence in there and I know she recently contributed to a tribute album of theirs. And you hear it again in the track, uh, If I Don't Hear From You Tonight. It's almost like a Lou Reed uh, phrasing in the vocals there. And while I love that rock and roll of her last album, I'm absolutely overjoyed that this is a return to basics. You know, there's even almost a country song in write a list of things to look forward to. It's personal vignettes. Um, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, it's it's close to a perfect 10-track set.
1: Oh, I like this use of the word perfect, but I think I agree. I think what's really interesting with it, like it's so inherently intimate, but I just feel like she feels really comfortable. She's never felt uncomfortable, but it just, there's such a confidence and a really, really underlying sense of calm. And I actually read a little story about her and some of the um, inspiration that came from it. So just before a year old COVID pandemic um, reared up, she got to travel and she went to a community called Sunfair in the Mojave Desert in California. And she did an interview there and she kind of touched on a visit to the Joshua Tree, going to the Joshua Tree, while she had a break in her solo tour. And the experience of seeing the sunsets in the desert and having all these artistic people around her, I just kind of feel like now when I'm listening to certain things, like you can kind of picture those neon sunsets and always have this little mind travel where we can't actually travel ourselves. and. Interesting. You also brought up the uh, underground thing. All the reviews I've read have really picked up on that a lot. Like, I don't know whether that means they haven't listened to the whole album and they're just relying on that. But you do kind of hear that you've got these amazing instrumentals and arrangements, but at the heart of things, as soon as you drape Courtney Barnett's vocals over any seemingly familiar undertones, it instantly becomes her and I think I can't go past the little serotonin booster that is write a list of things to look forward to. And I surprise myself because I'm not a country fan. So (laughs) excellent album, excellent song. Well, Masty, you shall be returning a little bit later to chat new singles kicking around this week. But for now, it's time to hear from our guest reviewer for today. And to close out our albums and EP reviews today on Press Play, I am joined now by Mikey Carl, a man of many, many talents, a journalist, a writer, a content creator, a podcaster, and I've heard he's also a mad unit on the decks. Mikey, welcome to Press Play. Thank you for joining <laughs> me today.
3: The word unit needs to be used more in Australian parlance. I feel like it's uh, it's kind of on its way out. Let's bring bring the fucker back, Right.
1: I'm so old school, so I'm into it. So, yeah, I'll just keep saying it until it comes back in fashion. <laughs> but right now, Mikey, we're chatting all things new albums and EPs, and I believe you've got an exciting release that you're going to take us through a bit deeper. What have you got for me today?
3: Do yourself a favour. Yeah, i got some, some hot, hot heat. Kai, all the way from Zimbabwe uh, to Australia, via London for a few years there as well, where she kind of really cut her teeth. K- K-Y-E. Uh, Kylie Churunga is her proper proper name. Um she has dropped this Good Company EP and it's off its fucking head. It is one of the most consistent EP, like consistent and diverse EP releases I've, I've sort of come across in a hell of a long time. Because every time the song ends, I'm like, wow, well, she's not going to top that. And then sure enough, the next track is as good, if not better. I've just been thrashing this thing. It's called Good Company. And it's a very sort of, a, it speaks volumes to her her journey. So let me take you, let me take you back to Zimbabwe, Harare. She was catching guavas from the trees, age three, and then going inside, playing with all these kids in the apartment, putting on like Shaka Khan shows with her brother. And everyone was sort of a flock. And basically, she was just from a very young age performing, performing, performing. Arrives in London because her parents wanted like a bit of a better life for, uh, for their kids. But once she hit London, she really found herself at the age of eight. <laughs> she started performing on stages. So she's doing that the whole way. Gets to Australia and announces in class, I'm going to be the next Kylie. Only black kid in school, already kids saying to her for the first time in her life she's ever heard this, you, you can't play with us, you're black. So goes through, you know, some pretty harsh things and builds up sort of her go kind of confidence and then goes in this um, singing competition, wins the fucking thing. And she, she took it. She said, I just, I was just before the, I was just ready to explode. So when I got on that stage, I just took my chance and wins that. Uh, then He uh, just sort of fast forward Goes to a Leanna Le Havis concert When she was supporting Coldplay Howl uh. Hangs out the back to try and hang out with Leanne And meets these girls who are like Were you singing the BVs in, in the second row? She's like, yeah, I was singing all the melodies These girls end up being friends with Sampa the Great She ends up getting on a bill with Sampa the Great Sampa says, hey, how about you come along And you know tour the world with me Hit Glastonbury, hit everybody. She goes into as as a Sampa's backup singer, you know, 20 feet from stardom. So basically she's done all those kind of hard yards and the grind, and now it's absolutely her time to shine. So she's hooked up with a whole bunch of producers, a whole bunch of different people, including Sampa the Great, 18-year-old man, um, Jerome Farrar, and uh, even Touch Sensitive. So the track you know sort of jump ahead find us quality featuring touch sensitive that's her kind of foray into the dance world on the good company ep and on the dl she has insinuated to me in an interview i did that she's got some more stuff g- coming sort of in that dance realm she c- couldn't say who it was it's not the people from melbourne i've got a feeling could even be something like peaking duck mm. something like that i'm just um throwing <laughs> throwing it out there <laughs> but she is absolutely, her trajectory is just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. The first track on the EP is called, uh, sometimes. And she basically found the beat when she was just driving to her boyfriend's house at the time, things weren't going so well. And just this, like tapping out this beat on the steering wheel and then started this song sort of came to her. And it's all about, you know, sometimes, was it sometimes a good thing breaks. And she took the song to her boyfriend and said, I need to sing you this song. Cause it's about us and I'm sorry, but I just need to tell you this. And, He said, yep, you've actually nailed it. We are. (laughs) We're not going so great. They split split up not long after. So this kind of catharsis and this sort of, you know, this kind of, she's almost like a sorcerer. She's almost like a soothsayer. Mm. She's just got this thing inside her where no matter what studio she's in, she's able to get the best in in a collaboration. That's a very hard thing to do. You can just talk about any track on on this EP and it's like, yeah, she's just got it. She absolutely has that star quality. She's worked, as I said, with Sampa the Great, Ruel, Meg Mac, Billy Davis, very, very clear and, and very sort of conscious um, uh, vision. She says this in, in this this uh, this yeah this other sort of press release. I'm sweet, but I'm strong. I'm modest and I'm sexy. I'm forgiving and kind and I am tenacious and I'm relentless. Absolutely know thyself <laughs> right there.
1: Oh, and she's, so. she's bang on with every single one of those. So, I mean, it, mm. nothing is incorrect with those mm. statements.
3: Yeah, and I mean, living in the age of anxiety, we need more people like this to just come out and go, you got to love yourself before you can love others. Setting this incredible and just sort of nurturing example. So mm. I'm a very, very big fan of Kai. So everything about her at the moment is just on the precipice of greatness. And I highly recommend you all check it out.
1: So get- Oh, I'm so glad you brought it because, funnily enough, Tuesday dropped into my Spotify Discover playlist earlier in the year mm-hmm. and, like, the silk is just off the charts on that and I'm so glad that <laughs> you silk. don't deeper into <laughs> this because it's such a charmer yeah. and the backstory you've just painted there, like, I can't even tell you. It's no wonder she's this incredible. Like, and if she's already achieved yeah. this at this point, what is this going to do for her? It's just insane.
3: I hear you. And I, she said something else too. When, when you get into the studio, she goes, you've only got sort of – 10, five to ten minutes to catch, catch a vibe because if someone else catches that vibe too early like earlier than you they're going to guide the session so she's quite competitive mm. I've never heard anyone talk about collaboration like that where you go in there you either have, a, have an idea people often say to her people kind of get pissed off at me sometimes or you know they get a little bit frustrated because I'll hear one pass of the melody and I'll be like here here's the whole song in three minutes
1: yeah, again, but know again, know thyself, know thyself. Oh, that's fail. Know thyself. Well, <laughs> Mahi, you could not have picked a better pick for today. Like it's definitely one I'm going to be cranking all weekend at this point. So I'm so excited to have you here wow. on Press Play. Hey,
3: thanks for, thanks for having me, people. Let's, uh, yeah, get in. Get in and quit it. it, felt good Get in,
1: get in and know thyself And as always with all our featured albums and tracks In today's episode you can of course listen to the songs in full Alongside this entire episode Check out the Press Play mixtape on Spotify Chuck it a follow to keep in the loop And all the infos in today's show notes So you can get press playing on some of this week's hot new releases Feel it. But yes and for now let's dive into our artist feature for the week Now, on Press Play, this is the point we'd normally be joined by a guest artist to chat about a brand new album or EP that they armed um, to release this week. But due to some industry-wide issues, our planned guest artists, in fact, found themselves in a similar predicament to many of late, namely the delay in vinyl manufacturing that forced their hand to push back their album release. While this issue has plagued many of us here at home in Australia and all over the world, Lately, the blame has been squarely placed on artists like Adele, Elton John, Coldplay and even ABBA scrambling for vinyl pressing spots. And a report by Variety earlier this week hinted at an order of 500,000 copies of Adele's impending album 30 as the catalyst causing major delays in vinyl pressing plants across the industry at large. With gloomy predictions that artists could be waiting up to nine months to get their hands on a physical copy of their new album, and also amid the continuing vinyl popularity boom. Just how dire is the situation? Never fear, press play has turned to the experts today and Paul Rigby, the director of Zenith Records, aka Australia's dedicated vinyl pressing facility, joins me now to unpack the actual facts behind this reported industry issue. Uh,
0: Look, I think that's every time it comes up. uh, I mean, this one's been going around for years. I think some plants... Uh, may or may not be sort of putting the indies uh, behind to accommodate the large runs of, uh, of the majors' work. But I think, you know, it's, it's, it's like a little bit of a furphy that just sort of keeps being rehashed. The reality is that there's just been such a surge in demand for vinyl across the board um, that, you know, your average order sizes have increased, you know, 50 to 100%. Um, and we're seeing you know Indies doing massive runs and it's just putting a putting a real um, a real strain on it uh, and everybody's looking for answers and um, I think you know from our point of view we've got to keep a healthy uh, you know a healthy balance between the majors and, and our bread and butter Indies work you know so I don't think it's as simple or as it's, it's as clear-cut as that um, there's um, been a shortage of lacquers um uh, lacquers are the sort of starting point uh, of um you know where you make your plates you transfer your music onto lacquers uh those lacquers then go and make the plates and there been there's been some discussion that it's perhaps better to cut and plate the large run jobs um because you know say for every adele record uh, or for everything that's sort of you know major release, it's going to be a uh, hundred thousand records. You only need one cut. I don't. There's no evidence to suggest that that's what's been being done. But I think any plant sort of really recognizes that they don't want to put all their eggs in the majors basket. They want to sort of keep. a a very healthy spread so i think it can be really attributed to just the real you know the very real surge in demand um other factors like limitation of capacity and limitation of lacquers um and uh the expense of of the lacquers i i i know from you know from from our operation you know we we um uh it's just that the sheer quantity the sheer number of titles uh and the volume of each of those titles that's putting the pressure on it so um i know that the european plants are blowing out to sort of 9 10 12 months and um yeah because i think there's a shortage in america um uh, and that's putting pressure on the European plants. But I don't think it's, it's simple as just sort of going, uh, you know, they're, 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 the plants are cozying up with the majors and putting their work first.
1: With reports earlier this year showcasing the continuing surge in vinyl popularity, including the Recording Industry Association of America reporting back in October that for the first time since 1986, vinyl has officially become the most popular physical form of music, outperforming CDs and all other physical forms but what does this really mean for the industry long-term?
0: Look, during lockdown, if we sort of back up the train to sort of, you know, the start of, of the pandemic, say March 2020, um, the announcement of restrictions, that to us at the time was like, wow, um, this is really going to hit us because our customers, you know, our customer base, um, won't be able to record, won't be able to play, won't be able to sell their, their records. Uh, and um, things slowed down. We had about a month, a month or six weeks worth of work ahead of us. Uh, and we sort of really figured on the worst case scenario that it was going to, um, it was really going to um, hurt us, you know, hurt us badly. Uh, and then, then a, a weird and interesting thing happened. It just kept growing and it kept growing and it kept growing. Uh, to the point where we've sort of thought, well, is you know what is this going to sustain? Um, and some of the quotes I'm doing at the moment, I mean, this is, I guess, an 18-month period. Um, whether it was people that were sort of denied access or denied uh, their, the opportunity every weekend to go and see music, go and see bands, they were sort of opting to go, well, look, I'm saving some money, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a turntable and I'll connect uh, with the stuff I love through buying vinyl. Um, it's all speculation, but it, um, you know, the, the number, the, 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 the types of quotes that we're doing now for, for, um, for, you know, sheer, like, you know, what once might've been a 500 run job is now four or 5,000, you know, in certain cases. So um, has this been an outcome of the pandemic and people locked down at home don't know, but there's certainly, you know, there's certainly a case to suggest that 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 might, might have played a role. Um, I'm, and I think also that, that maybe bands have been more inclined to sort of, uh, you know finish those projects remotely get those records out and sell them online because i know that 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 our customers have been doing a booming roaring trade through uh through your bandcamp and your online sales
1: All in all, I guess we can't really blame ABBA, Elton John and Adele for everything it seems and vinyl will still continue to rise in popularity, no doubt, but there's probably still more to come in this story. So watch this space. But for now, speaking of Elton John, let's dive into our viral and pop culture roundup segment. It's time once again on Press Play to take a quick step away from the world of buzzing releases and take a look at what's making waves in the land of viral tunes and pop culture in general. And it's fitting that Elton John is at the centre of this week's viral segment, especially since Marcy did mention the legendary artist earlier today. But while we all know Elton John already has a horde of accolades to his name, including multiple Grammy Awards, two Academy Awards, two Golden Globes, a Tony Award and countless others... But now, as of this week, Elton John can also claim a new Australian record as the oldest artist in history to top the ARIA singles charts. And there's an Aussie act along for the fun with this accolade. With Elton John now a mere few months away from turning 78, he snatched the ARIA age honour from Paul McCartney, who previously was the oldest artist to top the singles charts with four or five seconds alongside Rihanna and Kanye West back in 2015 when McCartney was a spry 72 years of age. As for the song that took Elton John all the way to the top this week, after debuting at number 7 last August, the track that could is a little ditty called Cold Heart, but the Panal remix alongside Dua Lipa, which was taken from Elton's recent album The Lockdown Sessions, which also swooped in at number 2 on the Aria album charts just last week. Cool. Elton John' his first number one Australian single since 1997. The smooth Pinel remix has also meant Dua Lipa's first ever Arya single's number one on the charts, and Pinel themselves have also rocketed into Spotify's top 100 artists as a result of this song. But it's not just the Rocket Man effect that has sealed the deal for Cold Heart. Earlier this week, Nick Littlemore from Dance Act Penal told the Music Network that he believes the song resonates so heavily, largely due to the fact that the track brings up all this nostalgia of our youth and times long gone. The Penal remix was originally teased on TikTok before its release, and it's since been praised for slowing down and simplifying proceedings, allowing Elton John and Dua Lipa's talents to shine to the surface, unifying a mashup of iconic Elton John lyrics, including Sacrifice and "Rocket Man." but with its own unique rhythm in the chorus. It's not the first time for now have crossed paths with Elton John, with John calling the band a few years back when he was in town in Sydney and invited them for a meeting before he became a mentor for the group. And the remix history, as they say in Hollywood, or oh, perhaps it's just me, but the rest is streaming an ARIA history.
0: The Green Room with Tiana Speeder is your ultimate access all areas pass. Want to go beyond the press release and really get to know some of your fave celebs from the world of music, acting and comedy? Subscribe now to catch all the latest episodes. You can find us at euphony.com.au, on Apple
3: Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you usually get your podcasts.
1: Well, each week on Press Play, aside from the new releases and albums and singles out in the world, we also like to turn our gaze to the week in musical history and some reissues. And to help us do so, host of Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder of Sonic Sherpa Records. Steve Bell himself is back. Welcome back, Belly.
4: Hey, Tiana. How are you?
1: I'm oh, good. It's wonderful to have you here to educate me on some amazing points in your musical history <laughs> and many, many other things. But I know it's getting to the pointy end of the year, but there are still some amazing anniversaries this week. So, what have you got for us today?
4: Oh, there's always stuff happening. Um, we're going to go back 40 years to ninth 9th of November. So, this week, 40 years ago, when A pretty much unknown band at the time, a little band called Men at Work put out their debut album, Business as Usual. It's an amazing story. Um, They'd been gigging around inner city Melbourne for a few years, sort of around Richmond pubs and stuff like that. They built up a pretty good following. They'd put out one seven inch that they'd paid for and pressed themselves. It was called Key Punch Operator. Had a little song called Down Under on the B-side. It flopped. It didn't make the charts at all. But they didn't give up. They kept going. They, they built this strong life following, and eventually Peter Carpin from CBS, who, who were soon to become Sony, um, signed them. They put it out. Oh, yeah, they record the album first. Put it out. Who can it be now? Rushes to number two. <laughs> The newly recorded poppier version of Down Under goes to number one. The album goes to number one here. Stays on top for like nine weeks or something. Um, first Australian album to go to number one in New Zealand. But America still wouldn't put it out, but like they just kept knocking it back over and over. Um it was Peter Carpenter. I yeah, I know. It's crazy. They were just, didn't see it working there, just listening to the music. Eventually... It just did so well and sold so many copies, they had to put it out. And it, it took off in Canada first because they did all these shows with Fleetwood Mac and then just spread like wildfire. Um, soon, Down Under was number one. Business as Usual was number one in America for 15 weeks. At one point, both those were was num- the album was number one in America and England. Down Under was number one in America and England. It just took the world by storm. It was incredible. Um, yeah, from the inner city pubs of Melbourne. Within 18 months, they were basically the biggest band in the world. Um, MTV helped. There was a whole convergence of factors. This sort of music was so unique. Down Under was a bit of a novelty. but It all just came together and they just shipped millions and millions and millions of copies.
1: Isn't it wild to think that at that point in time, they're an unknown band and like four decades later, it's such a seminal release. Like it's such an amazing snapshot in time for Australian music, like starting to really ramp up, especially on a global scale as well. Like just, and it stands the test of time. Like obviously there's been a few controversial things here and there, like that flute riff and all of that, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just such a sturdy and such a largely original release after all these years, belly. Amazing.
4: Yeah, they never, they never reached those heady heights again. They parted pretty hard from all accounts and, yeah, they sort of started infighting pretty fast and they were split up within a few more years, but you'll never take that adventure away.
1: Oh, God, no. And, yeah, what a, what a thing to look back on. But I know it's <laughs> not just looking back at this week in infamous musical history. You've also got some huge new reissues that are popping off this week as well. So what have you got in the land of reissues, Valley?
4: Well, there's one called Nevermind by this little Seattle band called Nirvana that came out 30 years ago, roughly not this week or anything, but the reissue is coming out now. Um, People really don't need me banging on about that much. Nevermind. (laughs) Nevermind changed the landscape. It was exciting back then. It's coming out. There's a standard reissue with the bonus seven inch, which has got Endless Nameless, which was the hidden track. And then. Aneurysm, which was the teen spirit B side, and even in his youth, from the Australian to a hormoning EP. Um, there is an eight LP super deluxe version, but that's not coming out until next year. So, yeah, a lot of people are going to be banging out, n- never mind, in uh, homage for 30 years in the next mm, few days. Yes. <laughs> There's another one, another great uh, American noise band, The Stooges. They uh, had a live album called Live at the Whiskey Go Go. Um, it was recorded in 73, just after they'd finished Raw Power. So they're in that sort of um, vein, you know, search and destroy Raw Power and so forth. No Gimme Danger, unfortunately. Uh, it came out in the 90s on CD, but it's just been re-released on vinyl for the first time. Well, it came out in Record Store Day in super limited version, but now you can get it on uh, white vinyl. It's a really cool gig. Um Another band from the States, uh, Hooray for the Riff Raff. They're not that well-known. It's a New Orleans sort of folk Americana band. I've, I've loved them for a long time. It's basically the project of one singer-songwriter called Alinda Segarra, um, and she just, oh, she's just such a great songwriter, such a great singer. I remember interviewing her when uh, her fifth album, Small Town Heroes, which is being reissued on vinyl again this week, and that came out and they did their first Australian tour She was awesome to speak to. We did a cover story on the music. And then I went down and saw them at Mullum Festival in this beautiful old country hall. Um, There was a Christmas beetle infestation, which she was a little bit perturbed by, but that aside, like it was just an amazing, amazing set. Mm -hmm. Also as an aside, I remember when this album came out, I I was in the States and I was in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina in this record shop called Harvest. And I picked it up off the wall. And this guy just come running over and goes, "I've been waiting for someone to grab that. Here's this free limited pink version that I. There was a competition and no one claimed it, so I've just been waiting for someone to pick that off the wall. And he wouldn't take my money, and he gave me this super rare. So shout out to uh, Harvest in Asheville. That's a oh my god,
1: record. hell yes.
4: <laughs> and look, just quickly, one last one just for me. I'm such an indie rock nerd, and The Clean from New Zealand, the, the staple of the Flying Nun scene. Uh, Flying Nun with Merge, which is uh, Mac and Laura from Superchunk's label over in the States, they're reissuing the, the Clean catalogue, one of the great bands of all time, and they're starting now at the start, the, the Tally Ho 7-inch from 1981 and the Boodle 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 EP, also from 1981. They're coming out this week again. That five-tracker includes Anything Could Happen, one of the great songs of all time. Yeah, I'll just throw that in there as well. (laughs)
1: I always love a bit of indie rock and you're always the man to teach me all the good indie rock things so bring it on every week I will always take it (laughs) (laughs) brilliant a nice mix of genres too I feel and yeah plenty of um standouts and some unsung heroes I think in there too but obviously Hopefully we can also catch more of your amazing musical insight and some chats with some incredible figures from around the music industry on the amazing podcast Rewind with Steve Bell. And the current season features an in-depth exploration of something for Kate's album, Echolalia. Belly, a pleasure as always, and I'll catch you next week.
4: Thanks for having me. I'll see you then.
1: Well, before things come to a close on Press Play today, it's time now for a little lightning look at some of the incredible new singles that are dropping or have dropped recently. It's time, of course, for Singled Out, and Andrew Mast is back with me once again. Masty. what singles have got you popping off this week?
2: Well, I'm going to start with Flower Kid and a track called Vodka Orange Juice. Now
0: everybody's dancing And I'm just sitting in the corner
2: A couple of years ago, I was completely blown away by a song called Boy With The Windfields and The Wild Heart. It packed an emotional punch that resonated with me. I ranked it as one of my top 20 songs of 2019. Now, fast forward two years and Flower Kid, who created that song, has signed to Warner and has now dropped another track that lands a powerful blow. Vodka Orange Juice is, to quote the press material, a brutally honest impression of Flower Kid's personal experience of coming out as trans as a teenager. I must also add a warning in here that the song does reference suicidal ideation and the rawness of the lyrics here can be heard in the emotion of the vocals and it just won't leave you unmoved. It's straight to your heart with a non-fussy arrangement of, of mainly piano and vocals. And I must admit the track itself is a couple of weeks old, already with over 100k plays on Spotify. And I'm mentioning it now well, because it's one of 2021's best and now there's a six-track EP called Everyone Has a Breaking Point that includes this track and previous singles, "Miss Misandry, and It's Happening Again.
1: I think what's amazing about this one, I know it's been out for a while, but i really kind of felt I uh, just had it come back through recently just through watching and listening. And it is such a heart-wrencher. I feel like it's almost got that kind of image and heat like haunting minimalism, but with this really distinct Aussie, Aussie flavour and those vocals, Masty. like it's so vulnerable, but there is also such a display of power. This is an exciting storyteller who just has big things ahead for sure following this release. My God.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Sticking in Australia, we've got uh, St Christoph and Shade. There's a double A in there, so maybe it's Shade. Uh, and the track First Time featuring Me. Yeah. Yeah. This is lifted from a new EP, No Pressure, by uh, a Sydney duo. It's a real 90s neo soul throwback, yet somehow also got a very timeless vibe about it. There is super clean production, and I know I keep pointing out people's production, but it is is so smooth. Uh, There's a really cruisy vocal, yet somehow it's up tempo enough to want to get yourself on the floor. I feel like this is as much a coin card to artists looking for producers as well as being an effortless bot. St Christophe and Shade were nominated for an Air Award this year in the Best Independent Hip Hop category, and you can hear why. Um, this one will be coming out digitally on Be Rich Records.
1: I'm always up for some throwback, Master. You know me, but I think this lot just keep delivering. I had their track calling bopping in my brain for a good few weeks last year when it came out, and this is yet another earworm ready to do huge things. And the production is just pristine and flawless. You are bang on to bring that up; it's unavoidable, basically, in this setting. Now,
2: speaking of earworms, as you just mentioned, uh, we're going to look at Alfie Templeman's 3D Feelings. Really kind of snuck up on me, and I've become a bit of a fan of UK artist Alfie Templeman. I could not give you any details of his EPs or his mini album, but tracks of his keep finding their way into my playlists um, for at least two years now. This latest one, 3D Feelings, it's not quite up there with uh, last year's Wait, I Lied, all my personal faves from 2019, things I thought were mine and my best friend, but churning out catchy AF tunes seems to come ridiculously natural to him. And he hasn't yet broken mainstream, but he's garnered Triple J support in Australia. He's become a festival fave in Britain and he's clocked up a few million-plus plays on Spotify. I reckon the minute we have summer festivals return here with internationals, Templeman is going to be on a bill. Got to be.
1: Oh, 100%. And, like, I think, again, it is definitely an earworm and it was interesting to note that um, the vaccines frontman, Justin, actually was helping this tune. I couldn't, I mean, it makes sense when you hear it, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, hot damn.
2: Totally unexpected, that one, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. But, yeah, a total funked-up anthem and, Marcy, that guitar lick in that track, oh, my goodness.
2: Now, back in Australia, we're going to uh, end up in Sydney. We're looking at The Lazy Eyes and a track called Fuzz Jam. Well, this song delivers what it promises in the title. It's a fuzz jam. Sydney Psych Pop Outfit deliver a blissful groove with treated vocals and a really well-timed guitar breakout halfway through. It's fuzzy. It's a jam. They've been notching up rave reviews. According to NME, and I'm talking rave reviews, according to NME, they have the makings of a psych giant, and then there's DIY Mag comparing them to both Brian Wilson and Tame Impala. I mean, yikes. <laughs> That's a big yikes. call. But this is a big song. And the more you hear it, you just, you really just get entranced by this one. Next year, they'll be supporting the Strokes on their Oz tour. And now after a string of EPs, we have an album songbook to look forward to in March.
1: Master, you hit the nail on the head with it. I mean, Fuzz Jam, it could not be called anything more apt. I love that they're playing with the Strokes as well as if there wasn't enough to like with this. But I'm always a big fan of unique instrumentation with this and, you know, it's a little bit vintage, it's a little bit sludgy, but I'm personally really keen to see where they go from sonically too. And yeah, Brian Wilson and Tame Impala, like how are you going to top that?
2: Yeah, it's just a fun track. Good one to end on for this week.
1: Absolutely. Good vibes to close us out. Or well, Some huge tunes all around. What a week of incredible music. Marcy, thank you for your picks as always and let's do it again next week. See you then. And that brings us to a close here on Press Play today. As I mentioned throughout the episode, you can check out all of the songs in full that we play, plus previous week's releases and anything we might have missed right now on the Press Play mixtape on Spotify. If you need help finding it to follow along and keep up with us each week, head to euphony.com.au to press play directly on our homepage. A big shout out to my regular guests, my amazing co-host Andrew Mast and of course resident history and vinyl extraordinaire Steve Bell. And thank you as well to our guest reviewer, Mikey. You can read, listen, and hear a lot more of his work over at mikeycarl.com. That link is also in today's show notes, and you can stalk him on Instagram and Twitter. And last but not least, a big thank you as well to the amazing Paul Rigby for joining us today to unpack the global vinyl shortage situation. Head to zenithrecords.org to learn more. Follow along with the Press Play team on Instagram for even more news on new tunes and much, much more head to at Press Play Oz, that's O-Z for Oz. And while you're there, give us a follow. Let us know what you're listening to this week. You can catch up on all previous Press Play episodes plus a bunch of other awesome podcasts in the Euphony suite. Head to euphony.com.au or you can listen via all the usual podcast streaming services. And there comes a time in every podcast where we brazenly ask for your love. But to be genuine, likes on Instagram, follows on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, even a love letter review on Apple Podcasts, it- all goes a long way to helping us keep doing what we're doing. And we always love to hear from you. Love music, press play. Thanks for stopping by and let's do it all again next week. Press Play is a
0: Euphony podcast, created by Craig Trewick produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast, assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder, recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker, music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.